that walk that walk This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hello and welcome to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent. Eric Aguilar is off on a special assignment today. So, this week, we have a special guest host. Forrest Kelly, host of the Five Minute Wine Podcast. How are you? Oh, easy on that plug there. I don't think that five dollars <laughs> I gave you included that. A little that's bonus. A, that's a little spiff. That's yeah. a little bonus. Yep, yep, yep. So um, yeah, I uh, thank you for uh, inviting me. Uh, yeah. Doug and I have been friends for thirty some years, and Something brought like that. brought. Uh, I I I, uh, I rehearsed this, but I still screwed it up. Broadcast broad podcast buddies. Broad pod- oh, trying to okay. merge those two. Words. Well, there's a new term. Yeah, that might catch on. Yeah, we yeah, yeah we I'm definitely go way back. My wife hates. So that you word have to broad. say broad pod. <laughs> yeah, broad pod and broadcasting. Got to say it quick. Very nice. So, tell us a little bit about the Five Minute Wine Podcast. There's a couple of wine uh, users out there. What's that? I said there's a couple of wine users out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I have actually, I think I've seen you. Uh, <laughs> drink and drive uh Stop. your uh, your wheelchair yeah but uh the five minute wine podcast is uh, just basically five minutes I, i'll interview a winery all over the world and uh take that hour interview and splice it down into five minute uh, little nuggets about uh wine and i'm not a wine drinker per se or a wine connoisseur but i just love the uh, science that goes behind it and all the uh, minutiae of you know the grape to this little liquid that uh, changes people's lives and yeah. things. So I, there you people, go. That's my, people yeah. love their wine. That's for sure. I, I picked up on that. Bestwinepodcast.com. Bestwinepodcast. And, and a nice little five minute bite. So if you've got a hectic schedule, not like this one where we go on for an hour. <laughs> right. But uh, on both angles, on both sides, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, so this is uh, part of the program where, uh, we kind of give it a little context to our listeners. Uh, uh, when Eric and I are, are starting out our, the podcast, we always got to say what our, our disability is. Got to let people know where we're coming from when we're talking about these issues. I'm a polio survivor, uh, crutch user for years and transitioned into a wheelchair user over the last 20 years. And Forrest was saying, well, what? I'm struggling to find out what my disability is. But <laughs> you, well, you said it right there. You're 62. So you probably have a couple <laughs> of aches and pains that might qualify. Yeah, exactly. And it, it'll become apparent the more I start talking. You go, oh, there's a disability. There it is. Yeah. That's yeah. A, the, the, we'll let the audience decide what it is. So you uh, know, I did want to say, yeah. though, um, Doug and I worked uh, on a daily basis for, you know, 15 years closely. And I, I'm, now that you've made the transition into the wheelchair, I'm kind of bummed that, uh, that, you know, you hadn't transitioned a into other things or that the wheelchair technology wasn't better back when we were together. Um, just because we did so many active things Yeah, and, uh, you know, the only time you'd get into the wheelchair really was when we'd go to magic mountain or Disneyland or one of those places. Yeah. That's what I've I've talked about here. That's kind of what it was at the beginning. That's what it was for. Yeah. But then as uh, things moved along, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but 
probably 20 years ago, uh, I, I had been to an orthopedic surgeon and he said, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're ready for a shoulder surgery. And here it is 20 years later and I haven't. And, and, and really the only reason I haven't is because I just, I, I don't know what I would do, you know, and wheelchair users know this, you know, every move you make, you know, you're using your shoulders. That's why my shoulders are worn out. But, um, uh, you know, I, you have to be down for six weeks. A, first of all, you, you can't move at all, bear any weight, anything. Yeah. So I'd have to be taken care of like a baby. Some people say I already am, but, um, you know, and then you start physical therapy and I don't <laughs> know how long that would take before I would be back to even enough to function on my own. So I've just tried to put it off. But even having said that, I experienced a miracle yesterday. I, my, my right shoulder has, uh, took a turn about six weeks ago where it really got worse. And it just, you're right-handed, right? You're I'm right-handed right and yeah, and that probably has something to yeah. do with it. But, but I, uh, it's just, it used to be really the pain only happened when I would tr try to do certain things, you know, that rotator cuff just, it, if, I, if you kind of, yeah, in those where you're doing several different angles at the same time, that's where it would, you know, pinch a nerve or something, whatever it was. Well, it over the last dead, six, right? yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You like would fall to the ground if I was standing, but, um, but yeah, over the last six months, it's just been where there's pain, even when I'm not moving it, you know, and it's just, yeah, so it's not fun, but, and I, and I don't like to take a lot of pain relievers. So I, I stay away from that and just deal with it the best I can. But I, I know when I was, and I've taken physical therapy probably six, eight times trying to stave this off and, and learn some things where I can kind of help. And there, there have been things that have helped and all of that. And, um, but I remember they used to ice me down after the end of a workout. And I thought, so I just kind of looked it up, you know, I said, you know, how is ice for shoulder pain? And it says, it just gives you the thing there. And, you know, I sit down for 15 minutes. It says, I sit down for 15 minutes and then followed by 15 minutes where you don't. But it didn't say what you do after that. Do I ice it again? Do I not? I mean, of course, after you don't, it's going to be until you <laughs> ice it the next time. I didn't get that part, but anyway. Exactly. The rest of the day is <laughs> the on ice. Yeah. So anyway, but I was amazed at how much improvement it was. So you actually did the 15 minutes. I did the 15 minutes of ice and, and then last night sleeping, it was better. And just, you know, that's where just, if I lay, lay on my side and lay on that shoulder, it's, I've, I've started to sleep the other direction, but. Oh yeah. I, I got up and I iced it again this morning. Now I'm going to be addicted to icing my shoulder probably. Well, now we're, so you're breaking through that pain barrier when it's like so intense before it, it actually kind of, well, I don't know, it doesn't freeze, but it feels like it freezes, whatever. And then you lose all feeling. It, so, you know, you, I, I've got a shirt on and I think this morning I did it with my sweatshirt on. So it, it takes probably a minute before you even start to feel the corn cold, but I, I haven't done it on a bare shoulder. That would be, you know, maybe right. But you're the, getting enough volume of ice in there where the it yeah. is numb when you're done after the 15 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you yeah, definitely you feel the cold. But yeah, it's it's just, I mean, like right now, I mean, it was getting to the point where I just couldn't lift my hand to my face. That was painful. Oh wow. Yeah. So it right now I can lift my arm, no pain at all. 
Who knew? So are you going to the ninety nine cent store a day now and getting a bag of ice, or are you making it at home? I'm making it at home. Ice. I just take a like a gallon storage bag, and I got an ice maker, a couple of cups of ice in there, and throw yeah. that on the shoulder. Yeah, good deal. So the fifteen. So that's some some advice. If yeah, you're feeling the pain, actually do that fifteen minutes. And yeah, and, and I I think I've heard somewhere where you do the ice and then heat ice heat. But I'm just doing the ice for now and seeing how that goes. Yeah. So well, they, they kind of have opposite effects is the, the heat attracts blood flow and the blood is healing the affected area. But there's, yeah. there's not really any healing going on in your shoulder because that bad boy is worn out. Yeah. I think what it's doing is reducing the inflammation. Yeah. If I had to guess, that's what it is. I'd have to talk to a, you know, a well, physical therapist or something that would know better. You're doing Wait. the Forest Kelly smoothie still, too. Doing that. Yep. Had that this morning. I, a little turmeric and ginger. Yes. And, and I, 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 this is, I don't know, this is too much in the minutiae, but I, I had been drinking it through a straw, which is not good. You know, it's, there's, there's too yeah. much uh, fiber to it. Yeah. So it's better yeah. just to gulp it down and, you know, it's not the best yeah. tasting thing in the world. So, not bad, but it's not, it's not good. You know, it's not, people it's aren't clamoring. It though. Yeah, people aren't clamoring for it, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, just bottle drinking in big gulps, bottle of poop. When we work together, that's what we, Hey, Forrest is having his bottle of poop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness sakes. Oh, you know, uh, before we kind of go down that rabbit hole, which we are known to do, um, big weekend this past weekend, you enjoyed the Super Bowl. I did. I yeah. had I uh, enjoyed it very much. I'm a uh, Los Angeles Rams fan. Been a Rams fan since uh, the early '70s with the fearsome foursome and Merlin Olson and uh, Deacon Jones and all those guys. And yeah. um, so, and Rams are number one empath- enemy is uh, the 49ers. So, and the Cowboys. So I enjoyed watching the 49ers get to uh, lose in the last second. Yeah. So large portion of the country, I think that's how they decided to pick their team for the Super Bowl, right? So I was a 49er fan basically Sunday because Kansas City is in my team's division, the yeah. Raiders. Yeah. So, yeah. So I can't root uh, come, for the Kansas City. Come on, Doug. You can be honest with your, your listeners. You can tell them you're a Swifty. <laughs> you know, I have I could go on and on about Swifty. Now, let, let me tell you. Um, I, I have no problem <laughs> with Swifty. Uh, you know, she is what she is and um, you know, of course, we worked country music for a long time. She started as a country artist and made a transition. You know, I had a question. It, this is how we go down rabbit holes because halfway through something, I start asking questions or Forrest does. But I wonder at a concert, does she do any of her old country stuff? Or is she like totally moved beyond that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a good question. Let yeah. me uh, let me just check and Google it here, her set list. For the Eras tour, you can what you can do and find every song she's going to do in order. So this is my this is my take on on Swifty for just a second. Is that I, I don't understand total. I mean, well, I, I guess I do understand because they're they're showing her all the time and all that. But but that's not. It's not like here's a young lady who has who had a dream who followed that dream. And, and 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 you could ask her. I'm sure she said would say, "This is so far beyond what my dream originally was. Nobody could yeah. anticipate this, right?" And 
So she's touched a lot of people's lives, obviously, in positive ways. And she, through whatever, for whatever reason, she connects. Well, I guess just a matter of time, some people would say. But she connects with this gentleman who plays football, plays it at a very high level. And the people that are upset that they're showing her so much on TV, remember that the NFL is a business. I mean, we already know what kind of money they make, you know, and they're, they're trying to, why do you think they go to, to England and and Mexico? They're trying to grow their brand and go into other countries. So what they can make more money. They're, they're, they're showing her because they know that that's going to improve ratings. Now I just read this morning that they had 123 million people or something that, that watched, which is the biggest television event ever now do you think that's because of these two football teams right it's it's a combination of the two but yeah yes definitely i mean definitely yes swifties put it over the edge they put put it it over over that top top. yeah 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 and why they fall hurt is not her decision to put her on tv you know everybody's like 11 times like wow you're you're that much into it that you're counting how many times it was we had a fun time at our party you know, where we were, I pushed, every, I pushed every time we started, we, dr- we drink. Yeah, I'd love to hear a different angle, but I've just, I just don't know why people are as upset. I mean, I, yeah, I get it. You know, why are they putting all this attention on her? Yeah, as a football fan, I was initially, and then after, after it happened a few times, it's like, okay, she's, she's Taylor Swift being honest and sincere, and she's um, not projecting anything. She's not trying to, you know, not to say anything about some of these superstars, but they come dressed in ridiculous clothes. Mm-hmm. They've got the sunglasses on, and they're they're all about the attention that they're looking to get from their dress and their presentation when they show up. I'm at the Super Bowl. Look at me. You know, where Taylor is just dressed like she is. She's got the red lipstick on, which she always has on, and she's dressed in normal clothes and having a good time with the people around her. So after a while, I was like, oh, okay, and, and it's only a few seconds. I'm not going to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and then, uh, people listening to this show are going to say, you know, you start out talking about the Super Bowl. Now all you're talking about is, is the Swifties. (laughs) I know. I know. 45 songs she does on the Eras tour. I'm looking at the set list and just breezing through it. Yeah. I don't see any, don't see any country music would have been my guess. So thank goodness we had a good game, you know, because the playoffs, all the playoff games were, they, there was a few that kind of started like, oh, this is going to be a good game. And then the second half, it just fell apart and it was a blowout. But in uh, that Lions game, I think was pretty good in the championship game. But yeah, this good game right down to the wire. And your favorite commercial? Uh, you know, I, I think we talked about this earlier, but, you know, I, I probably going back 20 years, I've gone to Super Bowl parties. It's very hard to even really focus on the game, let alone the commercials. There's always something going on in the room, people chatting, side conversations. And there, there, there have been times where I tape the game and then watch it, you know, a day or so later to see what was going on in the game. But, uh, you know, what I'm thinking about, which wasn't, I wouldn't say it was my favorite. It was like maybe even my least favorite. But the more I thought about it, I'm thinking it's the one commercial I know exactly what they were selling. Oh, yeah. No confusion. No confusion. It was the Reese's one. That, that I hated that commercial. It was just irritating. I hate loud, over the top commercials that are just screaming and yelling. And yeah. but at, at the end of it, I know that it was it was Reese's. So 
mine uh, was favorite was uh, the Jesus commercials. Uh, he gets us commercial and um, mm-hmm. washing the feet and that whole thing. Um, that it, partly because of like what you said, it was just so subdued and it wasn't yeah. screaming in the face, but the message that it was getting, I liked it. And then I did a little research on it and uh, I tempered that with, because the, uh, the people who paid for that ad and the subsequent campaign that they're doing right now with that is the, uh, the family from Hobby Lobby. Oh, okay. And you know, the thing too, you say the message, I understood the message. Yeah. You know what I mean? With the, speaking and yelling in your face. Yeah. There's so many commercials nowadays, Super Bowl or not, that I'm, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just an old man and that doesn't get it anymore. <laughs> I don't get the contemporary stuff, but, but sometimes because when I, I've spent 45 years in this industry of making commercials, writing commercials, producing commercials. So that's yeah. one of the things that I love to do when I see a commercial is, is at the end of it, the essence of it is they're trying to get a message across, sell you something or further the brand identity of whatever you're selling. And there's some commercials like, I don't even know what their point is. What were they trying to do? Well, and we've both been in those meetings where it's like, oh my gosh, we're doing the same old commercial. So they're trying to stretch it a little bit, but sometimes you go stretch it too far where it's like, okay, you've so far removed from, like you say, the branding message or the call to action. What is it? I'm, yeah. Huh? Yeah. What are you, what are you trying to do? Yeah. So, but yeah, there are some good ones and some forgettable ones. And you know, the, I always, I'm always amazed too, after the Super Bowl and as the weeks go on, there's this hype about the Super Bowl commercials. And these are at that yeah, point right. while you watch the game, they're the Super Bowl commercials. And then, Invariably, you'll see them after the Super Bowl running for weeks and weeks, and then you see they're just they're just another commercial. Once you see them outside that context, they're not they're not particularly that special. That yeah, when well, they have to stand on their own without yeah. the the yeah. weight and the energy of the Super Bowl, exactly. Kinda. Exactly. Anything else exciting happened in your world this week? Nothing that uh, comes to mind. You know, it's tough to top the Super Bowl party that uh, yeah. my dad yeah. had. So I was uh, just thankful that he. Uh, he recorded the program after the Super Bowl because it went into overtime. Because you know, I see that whoa, our recording is running out here, and there's oh, yeah. we're going to overtime. So he recorded it. So it was like whoops, pops, pops that bullet. Yep, yeah, yep. he's on it. He's on it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a particularly uh, medical laced week. I had a, a tooth break, so I had to go get a tooth, and you got I'm gonna have to get a crown, and they're in the process of doing that. I had uh, a dermatology follow-up and they razored a few things off my face, some more things. So, but everything looked good. He wasn't concerned about anything. And I think we're all taking care you tell of me that, uh, cause you were kind of initially adverse to uh, needles and things, but didn't you tell me they had a, like a Novocaine wipe that he was using instead of a needle? Uh, no, they used a needle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they definitely did the needle. There was one on my <laughs> nose. Eyes just got wide. Wow. It's like, yeah, uh, if you've ever had an injection in your nose, that was well, Is this a prop needle you're using there, buddy? Or is yeah. that a, the real thing? Evidently, the, the nose is very, very sensitive because of all the oh, things. Evidently. That, evidently uh, they, uh, it's something I say all the time. And Forrest likes to point that out. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, even, even after the anesthesia, when he started working on that particular part of my nose, I could still feel it, you know. Uh, yeah. So that's how evidently sensitive it is. And 
the uh, Novocaine doesn't totally overtake it. And, and then I had my eyes checked and that was all good as well. You, you know, when I, when I went oh, to the dentist, it. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, dentist? When I went to the dentist, they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the eye doctor, they, uh, yeah. but at the dentist, I forgot this and I learned it last time and then I forgot the lesson, but now it's set. When, when you get a little bit of pain and I'm not adverse to a little bit of pain, I, you know, I have a fairly high pain tolerance. I was telling Forrest the story where I went and had my first, my first trip to the dentist. I, I didn't get my, my mouth numbed to have a major piece of tooth work done. I don't know what I was thinking. I, at that point, I just, my past and going through surgeries as a kid and all that, I just, and that was, I was old enough to make the decision myself whether I got a shot or not. And I said, no, I didn't want another shot. It was just the reason, purpose of not getting a shot. But that, yeah, I've always done it since. Trust me. But um, but I I realized that if you like squirm a little bit and they're hurting, then they go back in and say, oh, we'll give you a little more Novocaine. And your mouth is full of whatever. You can't say, no, I'm good. You know, you're, you know, I can't. That's what it sounds like to them if I say, no, I'm good right now. And the reason is, is because then when you get done, it lasts for three or four more hours if they give you oh, more. After the procedure. Yeah, after the okay. procedure. And, you know, if you go have something to eat and then you're like, why is my, why is there blood dripping out of my mouth? Well, because you were chewing the <laughs> side of your mouth because you couldn't feel it. You know, and I learned that last time when I waved off the, the Novocaine, the second dose. And, man, within 30 minutes after leaving, my it was all back. Oh, anyway. All right. This is probably the longest opening segment we've ever done. If you're still with us, everybody, uh, <laughs> we've got a wonderful interview with Mike Box, who is the owner builder with Box Wheelchairs. Uh, if you are a wheelchair user, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you've coveted these wheelchairs. They are very special, very rugged. Uh, we can be hard on our wheelchairs, and these seem to take it better than a whole lot. So, uh, this is going to be his first interview he's ever done too. Which we're honored to to have him on. So that is coming up. Oh, good deal. Yeah, right after uh, a quick break from Agyar Professional Training. Uh, see if you recognize the voice on this commercial. Introducing Agyar Professional Training, where we believe your greatest asset is your team. Investing in their development, knowledge, and happiness is crucial for the success and growth of your business. To reach new heights, you need to hire smart, talented individuals and empower them to work in their areas of strength and passion. At Agyar Professional Training, we're dedicated to helping your employees become happier, more productive, and fulfilled because when your team thrives, your business thrives. We can help your workplace work better. We offer customized workshops and one-on-one -on -one coaching to help teams and leaders build trust and have better communication. We also offer strategic planning sessions, among other services. Elevate your team with Agyar Professional Training. Welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. Thank you for listening. And uh, today, our special guest is Mike Box with Box Wheelchairs. And he's kind of a an icon in our industry. Um, I, I know I've got our special guest for us with us today, and, and he may be unfamiliar with that um, because he doesn't have a mobility issue. But uh, Mike is uh, he's he's just one of those guys that everybody covets his his chairs, and uh, we're going to find out why today. <laughs> is that right, Mike? Yeah, we'll find out something. <laughs> 
Well, what, what we like to do on this show is get a little background on our guest, uh, I guess, to kind of add context to where you are now and uh, where, where are you from? I'm uh, originally born and raised in Southern California, uh, the Orange County area. I spent many of my years uh, from about the third grade on up until about seven years ago. Now I'm in Texas, South Texas. And, and I think that plays into your story and your wheelchair manufacturing story in a big way, right? Correct. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll meander through your story and we'll get to that point. Definitely. Um, so what kind of, what kind of kid were you? Where, what were you into? What kind of kid was I? I was a kid that had a lot of energy and uh, <laughs> loved beating up on my uh, younger brother and trying to run him as he was trying to get mad at me. But uh, in schooling, I, I struggled in my schooling. So we actually found out that I started going into the special ed classes and stuff and learning a little bit more. Uh, Dad noticed it right away and had me start working with my hands. Uh, so I built a lot of things growing up. In, in the garage with welder and whatever it took, you know, yeah. spin, bailing wire. Uh, we made some pretty incredible stuff. Did your dad notice that because he had similar difficulties or he just was an engaged parent? Uh, dad was an engaged parent and so was mom. Uh, they both noticed right away uh, that I had some hearing loss. And so dad started working with me a little bit and it took me to the doctor. Uh, long story short, it they took out my tonsils and it made it a lot easier for me to hear. Uh, I got all those you know, diseases or things that I can't read or write. As, as it says right now, I read probably about the third or fourth grade level. Uh, so dad at that time worked at an aerospace company and used to bring me in on Saturdays to get me out of mom's hair. And, uh, it just brought in a new life for me to create something out of metal. At, at what I, age were you then, Mike? Uh, when I started yeah. going to the aerospace, I was probably 11 or 12. Uh, and all the guys at the factory, they loved having me around because I worked with my hands and dad says, don't talk, just do. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I built mini bikes out of a, of, out of a bicycle frame. Uh, I worked on cars. I built fences, anything to do with my hands. Yeah, we needed you in our neighborhood because you know, the, I, I'm listening to this and my brother and I, we both had polio. And so, you know, all of our friends are riding bikes and, and, and we were, we would dream about, and, and even back then we had the idea, is there some way that we could adapt a bike to, to, to pedal with your hands? And of course, neither of us had the expertise or knowledge or, you know, anything to, to, to do that. We didn't have that kind of background. So it's fascinating to hear how your story in those early days was just a way, I guess, for your father to help you learn and 
and then but it turns into this whole incredible story that follows later right it it's a uh, god works his miracles on a daily basis uh, i mean it goes to say that when my brother john got hurt and i was actually working for a military uh power system company that put the power systems in warships uh and so we actually got together we started think fiddling with wheelchairs and i'm going to say that was 32 33 years ago maybe 34 years ago because we started at a young age yeah so right there let me ask you mike so when when you your your brother got injured yes right, sir. and and he was a wheelchair user and you guys are looking at the the dismal you know state of wheelchairs at that time right that just just 30 years ago basically wheelchair or a hospital wheelchairs that's all there was yeah well, hospital wheelchairs the e and j eclipse yeah and the boys down there in southern california that were started their program yeah it was it was back when yeah i, I would call them wheelchairs but i'd call them more of a chair with wheels on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they all folded up. And so there was no concept really of a rigid wheelchair back then. No, sir. No, sir. Especially one that was designed to fit an individual. Yeah. Yeah. It was one size fits all. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did in the public didn't really, you know, access people in wheelchairs too. convenient. You know, there was no wheelchair ramps. There was no wheelchair access to anything. So, you know, they really wasn't a need to design it because you, you just keep that wheelchair at home. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It was uh, a lot different back then than it was. It is now. Uh, it seemed like parents were almost ashamed to bring a wheelchair out because of, yeah. and I don't know if ashamed was the right word, but when they brought them out, people would look at them like, oh, oh, oh. And nowadays, it's like you go somewhere and the chair is more acceptable than. Well, I think they're even, you know, to now the technology that and what we're producing in wheelchairs now, it's it's a one of those. It's a head turner. You know, people are wanting to look at it and inspect it. And what's going on there? It's not a hospital chair. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's, it, it's quite a tool right now. Yeah. And. and and if you can make somebody's life a little bit easier, nicer to get them out of a folding chair to go down to the racetrack or something. I, you know, I, I, I come from the air, the eight inch casters with the uh, E and J folder chair that you guys did the track races and all that. I'm like, today it's changed so much. Yeah. There's a lot of purpose specific chairs for racing, for basketball, for tennis. For rugby, all of those different things, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so were you able to complete your first chair for your brother? Yes, my well, what we would do with him, he, we were doing chairs, his uh, quickie chairs, and we were cutting them and shortening them, and that's when Marilyn owned it, and she cared about people and a lot uh so we take my brother's chair and cut and tweak and do different welds and make it for him 
Um, and then once we figured that out, he says, why don't we just start making our own? And so working with John, uh, yes, I made uh, the first chair we made was called the Eclipse. Okay. And it, it actually had six and a half, seven degrees of camber built into the frame. Back then, one chair had to be served for all the different purposes that you did in life. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that chair made it for he can go play tennis and then do his everyday work and, and play uh -huh. with that seven degrees camera in it. Help, help people uh, maybe understand who aren't wheelchair users that are listening is what the, what the benefits of that camber is. Uh, the benefit of the camber is it's nice to turn. Uh, it makes it for, it's like having a straight object and trying to rotate it real fast in a circle. It always wants to flip. But if you give it that camber, it's more stable. It's, it's, it's a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's I a, think that's a question from Doug's NASCAR, uh, following NASCAR. And, and, <laughs> yeah. I don't even, even know what camber is, right? Just Right, yeah, he knows that they're uh, they're tweaking that on race day, you know. And I don't know if this was uh, even thought of when you when we started implementing the camber. But one of the nice things about having a little bit of camber too in your everyday chair is as you go through a doorway, you know, the bottom of your wheel is the kind of the buffer. So the top, if your hands are at the top of the wheel, they're not <laughs> sma they're not smashing into the door jam. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had one question, Doug. I, I don't yeah. want to go too far back into, yeah. I know as we tell the story here, but I was just kind of wondering, Mike, the transition, because I'm picturing you, your dad being in this uh, aerospace, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, th this is a this is a big deal. I mean, aerospace, God, you're, you're thinking, you know, you're changing the, the future. You're changing the world in this building. And um, that you're he's bringing his 12-year-old son which, you know, probably you can't do that today with credentials and you got to make a big deal about it. But Correct. you going from that age, and then how did you transition with all of that that you took in and all that you learned from there? How did you transition that into high school and, and a career outside of that? Did it did it dovetail into that? Yeah, it's it's uh, it taught me that I can work with my hands a little bit more than I could work with my brain when, and I, and I, and I mean that as the reading and writing ability, uh, during the schooling, they noticed I was struggling a little bit. So in the junior high year, we still had metal shop. And so my teacher would always tell me, come on in here before you do anything. And so I used to go into my metal shop at lunchtime and stuff because I really did, I really, I fit in, but I really didn't fit in to the school scene with the hanging out with the kids and everything. So then we jumped forward to high school. In high school, I got into the metal shop again. And that's where I really started making some crazy things. I made a floor jack. I made anything out of my hands with metal, I can do it. Uh, and what it was is the aerospace industry taught me that the impossible just takes a little bit longer, uh, a little bit more thought. And so that's what got me into everything. And then I got married 
And then my brother got hurt. And uh, it's it's like I felt my calling. It's, you know, he needed help and he couldn't do a lot of stuff. He did a lot of stuff. They put motor, you know, we all worked with our hands and John did exactly the same stuff. The chair wasn't a negative. It was more of a positive for him. Uh, and friends would also agree with that. Yeah. that I, I was going to say, I could relate to that. I, I know I was a, a crust user for most of my life. And anybody that you know, it, it, they resist going into a wheelchair, you know. But right. but I found and what, what helped me with that transition was I I as I got older, and I was losing a lot of the agility that I had on crutches when I was younger. And I felt like I got that back getting in a chair, especially a, a nice chair that was specifically measured and designed for me. You know, you get in that chair and you love being in the chair because you're agile again. Right. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's your, I like saying it's your legs, it's your tennis shoes. It's mm -hmm. any, uh, when when I really figured out what the chair meant, I was able to get into the aerospace materials for using in, in the chair. Uh, uh, I used different thicknesses of materials and different in order to come up with the lightest weight chair. Um, people, uh, <laughs> able bodies, they think, oh, a chair is a chair. Yeah. And it's like not when when you pick up a chair that's a hundred pounds and put it in your car versus thirty pounds and put it in your car, put it in your car three times in a day, you're now you're a weightlifter. <laughs> yep. Oh man, you're you're talking about my life. You've been reading my mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everybody goes through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Do you remember I, the uh excuse me, Doug? Do you remember John or uh, uh, Mike when you when you made that first chair for John, did you, the the look and the yeah. that came over his face when he felt that customization? Yes, but the first chair was one of those like, okay, it's what we were doing with his other with his chairs from other manufacturers. Yeah. What really set us apart is we were all talking about a suspension chair. And so up into in 96, we actually promoted my first suspension chair out on the market in Atlanta. And that was uh, the Boeing. And once my John got into it, and if I had to work on it, he went into a rigid chair or something. He didn't like it. Give me my old, give me my Boeing back. Give me my suspension <laughs> Uh, and I didn't know anything at that time about it. I just wanted to make something with suspension. My dad wanted, my John wanted. So it was, it was, it took me a whole whopping, I think two days to come out and figure that out. Uh, and that's by the grace of God that had my hands working. And since then I, we, there's, there's only one chair I really don't build. And that's the track chair. There's, there's, I think the people that are making those are doing a great job. And there's no reason to go and do that. When did you, like, at first you were 
concentrating on making something for your brother. Was, when was that transition into doing it for a larger market? Uh, we decided back in 92 to make chairs for the public. Uh, at that time, we transitioned from, um, we were a company as West Coast Precision. We did a lot of aerospace, wing stuff, just anything to do with airplanes. Uh, at that time, John went to go get a chair made by Sunrise Medical, and that fell through with the individual. Uh, and so he came back and said, look, let's start doing chairs. And so back in 92, when we started doing it, and I would go to all the tennis tournaments with them, and I would be the guru. I'd be the one, you'll understand, when you put 20 washers to make camber in your chair mm -hmm. instead of having the camber built into the chair. So uh, my beginning was back in 92 with chairs, working on them, making them better, making them easier for the individual to push and handle. So back then they were taking an everyday chair and making adaptions on their own? Yes, sir. To make it a, a purpose-built chair. Okay. So that, that, and that kind of leads me into my other question is, so at the time you guys made this transition, you, you, you had built a chair specifically for your brother. You measured everything. It was like a glove for him. Yes. In the industry, they weren't doing that at all. Mm, yeah. Well, a little bit. There, there was one company and I can't remember the name, uh, that was in Southern California that would, that they were doing it as well. Yeah. We, we weren't the first, but for some reason, at that time, colors was starting to lead the in, the the industry yeah. in individual needs. I, I will tell you that was my first introduction, really, to a, a chair beyond it being a medical device. You, Amen. Know, you know what I mean? Uh, and I remember, of all things, I was doing a live broadcast at a off road show down in Orange County, and. And I walk into one of the, the buildings and here's this whole display of colors and they've got all their brochures. And not only do they have cool chairs, you know, and, and a wheelchair had never been cool before. Right. And not only on that, on top of that, their brochures had models, <laughs> that, you know, that were, Yes. Much yeah, more yeah. appealing. They weren't somebody in a hospital setting. These were real life situations. These were men and women that were, you know, dressed in contemporary uh, clothing, you know, for an active person. You know, right. they were in their chair. They were sitting next to their chair. They were in model like poses. It's like, this is all revolutionary in this yeah. arena, right? In this community. Yes. It, it's a, uh, yeah. We, we took the chair out of the picture. Now, did you have a time with colors? I, 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 John was the president of color. So we okay. went for a while. Uh, we actually, uh, I was there almost 20 years. 
designing and building chairs. Wow. I then I went off on my own. They were John sold the company, uh, and they weren't going. I think in the direction that I was being led. And so when he sold it, it was, I imagine I'm going to imagine this here for a second, but they were, they were probably sold to a larger corporation. Yes, sir. Yeah. And yeah. so with corporations, I think we all know you ever had a, had a deal with a corporation and they're not as concerned with an end product as they are with, uh, you know, the, the ledger sheet we'll say. Yeah. That's when the the beautiful brochures, we gained more paperwork on the order forms. We, yeah, it, it's, it, it's maybe where colors needed to go at that time, but I was being called to do something else to, on that. Uh, I do, like I mentioned, all the chairs that you can possibly think of. I do rugby. I was in two Paralympics with wheelchair rugby, uh, tennis. I can't tell you how many championship games and stuff like that I was with and all the people I met. Uh, so I, I, I'm pretty satisfied in where we're at yeah. because I get to build some pretty incredible, incredible stuff for incredible people. So um, that probably coincided then with the, move from california to texas yes the move the move from california was i actually it's california wasn't the state for me i mentioned to everybody when my daughter turns 18 or whatever i was going to move and so i was led by god to here because it had everything i needed to manufacture chairs gotcha uh we have a big building. We have, the house is great. The property. I'm going to find out what he gave me for all this property. We're going to do something with it, but I'm not sure what. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep us posted on that. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of dreams that I'm looking at right now, but but yeah. So, and I mean, I just I enjoy doing what I do. Yeah. Well, that that comes through definitely. So. Um, then at some point, I know a young man named Aaron came into your life, Wheels. <laughs> and so how, how did that change things? Uh, he actually came in when I was still at Colors. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd help him out a lot with that Boeing chair suspension. And I was doing it on my own time at that time. I was asked not to take from work time because it took so much time for a chair to do a backflip 40 to 60 feet in the air and then land, I'll break him. Yeah. Well, and, and that maybe we should kind of, for the audience that may not be aware, uh, you know, Aaron was a young man, Fotheringham. Is that, am I saying that right? Yes, uh, sir. Uh, he, he grew up in Las Vegas and he had spina bifida and, and uh, he was going to the skateboard uh, parks and, and doing what guys were doing in their, skateboard he was doing in his wheelchair uh ride rails and doing all of that stuff and just and he just kept pushing the envelope pushing the envelope you know and got some notoriety started working on a backflip I, I remember watching the the video of him <laughs> working on that and over and over and over again and just 
you know, face planting and everything else. And then finally he sticks the landing and all of his buddies go rushing in and just, you know, mob him. And uh, I mean, I got tears and, and it's incredible. And then to see now where it's gone and what he's been able to achieve is unbelievable. And for, for him to do the incredible things he does, he's part of Nitro Circus. It, it, it obviously needs some kind of a special chair. And you were there to help him out. So that's awesome. Yep. Every, I started with him when he was about nine years old. And now I think he just turned 30. And uh, he's got a set of twins. He's married. Mm -hmm. And he's out there pulling off new stuff that just is incredible. He's, uh, if nobody has ever watched him, Google wheelchair backflip. And see what you find. <laughs> yeah. Strap in. It's just, yeah. So, so he, and, and I, I can tell by following him, he looks like he's building his own chairs now too. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. He builds his own chairs and I'm glad he does it. I was going to uh, say, that must make you very proud. Yes, it does. Yeah. And he, he is actually building chairs for other people, other clients. He, he's very picky because with those new babies, they take up some time. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I know that, uh, cause I'm, I'm getting a new chair and, and chairs can be, you know, they're a little pricey, uh, but worth every dollar of it, I will say. And I know a lot of people would love to have a mic box chair, uh, but they may not be able to afford it. And Medicare will, will cover other chairs. I, I, and I don't know, you don't want to get maybe into it too much, but you're working on that, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, it's a that's a that's an incredible word with me because I'm certified in Europe with the CE I'm in South America area. They they acknowledge my chair and respect it. The only insurance or government funding that won't do it is my my own here in the states. Yeah. Uh, they uh, we're working on it now to get it. Uh, approved by the FDA and we'll see how that goes. I know some insurances uh, can can do carry them. The thing is is you got to fill out your own paperwork. Uh, there's not there's not enough money to be made on our chairs for the dealers to process it. Our, there, our chairs are a little bit lower in price than the rest of them. Uh, but you never have to call them up and say, hey, I need to get this repaired or that repaired. They're a long-lasting chair. Gotcha. Well, good luck on that whole process. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but, but you're right. You know, if you have to pay out of pocket, they are less expensive. But uh, like, like you say, it's, it's that... Uh, it's kind of that corporate model, I guess you would say, you know, they've got to make their profit. I don't, I don't, you know, be leg or that, you know, for them, you know, that right. I understand that they've got to do that. So hopefully I'll get that worked out. Cause I know there's a whole lot of people that would love to have a mic box chair. Can you uh, maybe share some, some, some stories about uh, how you've really made a difference in some folks' life? Uh, I, you know, I, I, it's uh, every person that gets in the chair, gets their own dreams hit up. Uh, I've done Aaron Wheels Fotheringham. 
so there's some basketball players that go way back that might know Mark Shepard, uh, Jim Knob, uh, and then those are old timers. These new time people, uh, some of them are actually in basketball, rugby. I don't, I don't get out to the events as much as I used to, but the people we still make chairs for them. Uh, Jerry Diaz is a WCMX person who really, you know, enjoys it. Um, Jesse Strawham uh, is is really setting a mark on how you should eat, how you should take care of your body. Uh, being in a chair, there's different things. And, you know, if you don't take care of certain parts of your body, when you get old like me, they start to hurt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, we had Eric Eblen. I don't know if you have uh, ever run across Eric. He, he was a wheelchair uh, basketball player with the Rolling Bears out of Loma Linda. Right. And uh, and when he got hurt, he was in construction, concrete work. And uh, when he when he got rehabilitated, went back out, and he tried to find work in that uh, in that field because. Um, and I think he got a lot of resistance because he was in the chair because there was still a lot he could have done and, and contributed to that industry. And then, but he just couldn't find work. So he reinvented himself and and that's what he does now. He's a nutritionist and, and it specializes a lot in, in guys that and gals that are in wheelchairs because there are a lot of uh, dietary needs for people uh, with the uh, you know, quadriplegia and that kind of thing. So, right. yeah, he, the, he's, he's great. The guy lately, Who's that I'm extremely proud of and he uh his name is Bo Jones. Mm-hmm. He got blown up in Afghanistan and it took both of their legs, split them up the middle, and lost six inches of his left elbow. Uh, I met him and said, Hey, and he was he was actually uh he liked to use all that extracurricular action in order because nobody would hire him. Nobody yeah. would work. And so when I met him, I saw what he did. I said, you're coming to weld with me. You're coming to bend with me. So he made his own one-arm drive wheelchair. Um, and for you guys that don't know that, that means one arm doesn't work and the other arm one, pushes two wheels at one time. And so I put him to work and he still welds and builds for me now. Wow. I, I, I just love the story. That's what I'm, you know, doing this podcast, you know, I, I'm just amazed every time we hear a new story about, you know, how people and how, how inventive they are in overcoming, you know, whatever situation, because they're all different. You know how it is. You know, that That's why it's so important to, to have a chair built for yourself because every situation is different. Correct. Correct. It's, it's been fun. I've been doing this 33 years now, 32 years. And each day is a new day. Yeah. That, that makes it wonderful. You you never have to work a day in your life, right? Amen. (laughs) I've been tired for a long time. (laughs) So uh, anybody that's, Going into really any kind of work that maybe could learn some uh, lessons uh, from you and on entrepreneurship, what uh, what advice would you give? 
what advice would I give? The advice I give is the impossible just takes a little bit longer. And whatever you do, follow your heart. Your heart will take you everywhere you need to go and have God on your side. You got it made. Well, it served you very well, my friend. Thank you. You know, this may be an odd question this far into an interview, but because I, I follow you on social media and I see the pictures and I was kind of surprised when I did a little research to get ready for the interview that your, your brother was injured. And that was kind of the impetus for all this to get this started with the, the wheelchair making and then learned, you know, part of your background with aerospace and all that. And then of course learned a lot more today, but I, I thought you were a wheelchair user. Are you? No, sir. I am not. So the pictures I see, you're just kind of test driving the chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and it's funny because the guys in chairs like me to get on the court because they come and just knock the heck out of me. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I, not, I gotta... There's a, there's a friend of mine that I met a couple of years ago. He drives for NASCAR and he, he built the chair and he got it. And I wanted to knock him out, but I couldn't. <laughs> Corey LaJoy at number seven. Oh, yeah. Good guy. I think he's going to have a good year this year, by the way. He's moving up quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. The last uh, couple of years, he's really, he's, you know, uh, up towards the front a whole lot more. Right. Yeah. I back yeah. for that. I, I got, uh, we went to North Carolina and saw his shop where, that his dad built mm-hmm. and saw his cars. And I want that shop. That shop is... <laughs> It started you to dream it, huh? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Anything else uh, for us that you're curious about? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Doug and I were talking the other day, and he was asking me, he says, uh, you know, Super Bowl party, you're going to a Super Bowl party. And I said, well, just I, I go with my dad, and uh, I'm 62, he's 82, and it's just the two of us. Um Mom and anybody else in the house is kind of on the periphery, and my dad and I get in the man chairs, and you know made made a uh, day of it. And then Doug was saying that he's he's going to go to his uh, event, and I said, "Well, are you driving or somebody else driving?" And he said, "Well, somebody else was going to drive, but their his transitioning from the chair into the car really wasn't uh, an easy thing, so he said he was going to drive his van." And so, you know, he tells me that story. And then throughout the next couple of days, um, and I think it was this morning, actually, I'm watching the new uh, trailer for the new Twister remake movie. Are you familiar with that movie, Mike? No, I'm not. It was a uh, uh, Helen, I forget her name, but it was a movie about these uh, people. They're uh, weather chasers or storm chasers. And they follow twisters around and they get these readings and then they get the video and all these different things. Well, in the trailer for the new movie, they're showing this uh, regular, it's kind of a truck. It's obviously a, a commercial truck. I mean, a, a regular, uh, like a Ford one F-150 truck. Right. But when it gets ready for the twister to come, these uh, stanchions come out and then these augers go down into the ground to, I'm assuming, not seeing the movie, to stabilize it, to withstand the twister passing over them. So right. that that got me thinking of a wheelchair for Doug 
to like transition from one place to another if it had some kind of um you know apparatus where it could stabilize and then hearing you say the impossible just takes a little bit longer Correct. is that is that a possibility of a wheelchair it, it, there's I, i'm working with some guys right now that uh yes it, it's all possible it's it's stabilizing him um and if he's in a power chair that that makes it easier if he's in a manual chair that's a little bit more work only to keep it light for him to be able to push it and have his custom products on his chair yeah that that's where my mind went right away anything like that would add um, a lot of weight you know and we're trying to get that weight down for somebody who's a manual user for moving the chair from place to place so yeah you know where there's a big need, Mike, and I don't know how much you've been involved in this or thought about this, but in travel, you know, in airplane travel, you know, it would be nice to have a seat, say, in an airliner that could be removed. And then, you, you know, you would have a spot where uh, you could just stay in your chair, roll into that spot and be locked down in that yeah. spot and then have a seatbelt to hold you in the chair and you could stay in your day-to-day -day chair. Right. Uh, I would love that. Uh, mostly because that means nobody gets to touch your chair in, yeah. in the air industry. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yes, I, I haven't wow. thought where I took that thought because we're not, let's go back to the beginning. My that's one of my dad's shop. They they re they built the the seats and the for the airplanes okay. and they them. so I can see where either a seat can be made that has the right bucket in it has the right everything or you just take your cushion and put it in it or like you said make it easier to lock down onto a system um, I'm actually making a climb a climbing chair. For Australia, they'll be here in February 24th, I think, where they're going to have a wheelchair that is going to be going up the side of the mountain. Uh, wow. So the climber climbs, but he his wheelchair goes with him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said the same. Well, uh, what do you – but they have a guy up on top helping them with the ropes and a guy down at the bottom. I mean, but still, and this is for Australia. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's some crazy stuff getting ready to happen. Uh, I'm doing some really crazy stuff with some power chairs. Uh, I'm these new track chairs that everybody's been promoting. Yeah. He, this gentleman's got one that's supposed to 18 miles an hour and, uh, he wants to put suspension on it. <laughs> you going to work with him? Yep, I have yeah. his right now. And is this a track chair that you would transfer into, or now I've seen the tracks where you stay in your everyday chair and you just roll up into this platform and lock your chair in, right? And and you go with the tracks in your own chair, which that looks pretty cool. Yes, uh, this one you got to transfer into it. 
the one that you get to drive from your chair, I think that was pretty badass. Mm -hmm. But the, the, with that one, though, it's a gasoline motor. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Most of those ones, you the the one that I I get to see around here, it's it's pretty much the way it should be built. But it has a, a gas power motor that runs the hydraulics for the tracks and everything. Okay. But there's no suspension in it. Yeah. And that's the thing when you start to get going 18 miles an hour and you run over a log. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any yeah, kind of terrain, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, yeah. <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like shaking up a soda can. <laughs> well, I don't like the little rumble strips that they, that they have on the ramps, you know, at the corners. Tell me about it. <laughs> yep. Those will just shake you out of a chair. Oh, Doug's yeah. got a delicate cushy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's amazing because through this conversation, uh, you know, uh, already aware of, you know, all the incredible things that people with disabilities are achieving. Uh, and, and it wouldn't have been possible at the levels that they're doing without all this innovation that's happened in the last, say, 30 years or so. And they're just, Sounds like so much more to come. Amen. And and if people want something, they have to ask for it. Yeah. And what happens is, is I know there's more people out there like me that are listening. And when we hear it three and four and five times, we start to go, oh, we need to do something. Yeah. Got to listen to your audience, right? Yes, sir. But otherwise, you'll get left behind. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> So are you are you going to be at the um, uh, the abilities expo? Do you go and set up there? Not March is a tough time for me. This March, mm -hmm. uh, I'm I I really want to. Uh, I might send the daughter out there and do something. Uh, I want to start doing more expos. That would. I mean, I get to hear all your stories and what you need the most of. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll keep an eye out for you. We're going to go to the one in Los Angeles in March, so uh, we'll we'll keep an eye out for you, or or well, one of your representatives at least. Yeah. Well, anybody in the chair, just go up to him and knock him upside the head and tell him I said hi. <laughs> okay, you got it. Hey, um, and before we let you go, just uh, where where can people go to, uh find out more about Mike box. If they, this is the first time you're hearing, uh, which is hard to believe if you're uh, in the, in a wheelchair, you're a wheelchair user. Uh, but if you want to go see what he's accomplished, uh, where can he go? You can go to box wheelchairs. Uh, and you'll find my email. It's down there. It's Mike dot box four, one, six at gmail.com. Uh, but the website my Instagram—they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking some time and coming and speaking with us. Uh, hopefully, your first time doing one of these things wasn't too horrible. Yeah, I think yeah, you got. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to. Am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? I just, yeah, I I, I appreciate this very much, Doug. It, no. And it's a pleasure. You did great, and uh, you know, say hey to your your brother John. Uh, you know, might be uh, might be a good episode to have him on. Get his. I've had my brother on as a guest, so you know we can have your brother on, and we can hear kind of the same story from a different perspective. 
Yes, he uh, that that was a it would be a totally different perspective. I ran the back half of the shop, and he ran the front half of the shop. The yin and the yang. He can tell you how much money I spent. <laughs> uh, very good, very good. All right, have a great day, and we'll uh, hopefully our our paths will cross soon down the road. Yes, sir. God bless. Be safe. We all make promises, big and small. Tested over time and distance, tried by circumstances and decisions. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. For better for worse, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish, to be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Okay, we are back for the closing segment of Walk and Roll Live. Uh, Forrest Kelly, my special guest today. First of all, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I kind of was looking for an excuse at some point for us to get back together and do it. So when Eric couldn't come this week, I thought, oh, I'm going to have Forrest on. Well, uh, part of me Uh, said, well, he doesn't have a disability that's, you know, really apparent. Who cares? I'm having Forrest on. Well, thank you, and it, it has been a hoot. I've, I've, uh, I'm laughing now because, uh, once again, off camera or off mic, uh, you know, Doug says some some good jewels, and um, just as a uh, an example, I have a podcast called the Best Five Minute Wine Podcast, where I take an interview <laughs> and edit like you wouldn't believe. I edit, 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 and Doug he, he doesn't he's not so big on the editing. He said, "I'm going to have to edit that out." Well, what I call editing. <laughs> Which basically means let it roll. Let it roll. I pretend like it's live. <laughs> I do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Oh goodness! So what's uh, what do you have coming up in your life? Well, I got a couple of interviews. I'm going to interview a winery from Australia, and then a uh, travel expert, and then uh, my uh, I proposed to my wife uh, on this day. Uh, eight years ago, so oh. uh, February thirteenth. So we're uh, headed out. Going to go to Laughlin. Going to rip it up in Laughlin. Very nice. So in our conversations, uh, you you go there with some regularity. Well, yeah, we're high rollers. You know, we're uh, <laughs> we get the free hotel rooms, which uh, normally without the coupon, they're twenty dollars a night. You know, we're so big high rollers, they were going to wave that. Hey, listen, you don't, you don't even have to call yourself a high roller. Nothing says high roller like the coupon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure all the high rollers are using the coupon. <laughs> and and take that same coupon and take it to the buffet and you'll get $2 off and unlimited croutons. <laughs> Is that a thing? No. <laughs> it <laughs> should be. Unlimited yeah, croutons. You know, uh, we're holding on to that coupon like it's a valuable piece of paper. And it's, where's the coupon before we leave? You know, don't ask about the luggage or snacks or anything like that. Just make sure you got the coupon. Uh, that is great when you take a coupon in there to get something and then they never take the coupon from you. 
<laughs> yeah, they're I'm like around like a magic wand. You feel like you're cheating them. Oh, I could use this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, maybe I'll, uh, I'll I'll scratch off the expiration date on it. <laughs> yes. Uh goodness. So where can we um, listen to the five minute? The, I'm sorry, the best five minute wine podcast. So on the web address, you just take out the the number five. So it's just thebestwinepodcast.com. Beautiful, beautiful. I'll I'll put a link to that as well. Um, Thank you. And then uh, I want to highlight next week. Next week we have Lou Schomer, which that name means nothing to you, but his event definitely does. That's Abilities Expo. He's one of the uh, primary uh, partners in getting that going and all of that. We're going to hear that story and uh, find out what's coming at this year's Abilities Expo. Uh, The first one opens in Los Angeles the uh, 15th through the 17th of March. Uh, Eric and I will be going. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. And hopefully we'll see Mike Box there. He kind of alluded that he might he might have a, a booth there. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for him. And that's coming up next week right here on Walk and Roll Live, which you can find on all the different uh, podcast places, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, Podbean, May, uh, Amazon Music. You, it goes on and on and on. Wherever you get yours. Thank you for listening. We appreciate that. And we will see you next week. Thank you, Forrest. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.